is Tap In Time, a Chapman Stick podcast. Whether you've played the instrument for years or are just curious, if it's stick talk you're looking for, this is the place. So come along and stay a while. Hello and welcome to the Tap In Time podcast, episode number 11. I'm Victor. I'm Gene. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Claire. getting up there (laughs) so you know what uh you know we're rolling into the month of december 2020 i almost didn't want to say the year but i decided i would we survived friday the 13th in 2020 Mm. i think that's something to celebrate well i think it is (laughs) here we are moving into the month of december and so i thought it might be kind of nice to add a bit of holiday spirit to things as we kick this one off and Michael Kolwitz was nice enough to provide something to help us do just that. And what's going on in the background right now behind us is off of his CD called Santa Plays the Stick. And you can get that on iTunes or if you want a physical CD, you can get that at michaelkolwitz.com. Uh, and his last name was spelled K-O-L-L-W-I-T-Z and michaelkolwitz.com. You know, it's some pretty good music. Michael Kollwitz is the most prolific Chapman Stick player living. He has the most recorded albums, the most recorded CDs, and he was an early adopter along with Don Schiff. And if you have your Freehands book available, I think he's on either page six or page 12 and uh, was amongst the first, you know, 10, maybe 20 players to actually get one. And, uh, he is a professional player, so that's what he does. That's his livelihood. He's lived here in Riverside County, where I used, where I live. He's lived in various other different places in California. I think he's out in Arizona now. He lived in Hawaii for a long time. And so you'll see a lot of his music that has kind of a, a Hawaiian, kind of Polynesian flavor. And uh, I, I met Michael Kalowitz back in the early 90s at the National Guitar Summer Workshop. And so the three years that that was happening, he and I uh, synced up and uh, got to get to know each other. And we were like pen pals. We still have letters from each other. So there was a a major stick bromance going on there. (laughs) Well, you know, you've got a major stick bromance going on with everybody, Gene. Is there anyone (laughs) you don't know? Is there anyone you're not tight with in, in this community? Well, Mike Kollowitz is a special person. And so, like, <laughs> and, and, and he, he would play all these private gigs, and, uh, and but he never really, like, and he did the CDs. And, and he's he recently charted, you know, he had, he was uh, on these charts, and these airlines were picking up his music to play on their, on their like, playlists and things like that. Yeah, like, new age, you know, number, the, the number... Two or number four? Uh, yeah, no, know, like but. it was number one. Like it charted. Like he was on top of the charts. Literally, it was like so exciting. And he's this kind of uh, he's kind of this behind the scenes Chapman stick player. And uh, if ever you get to see one of his twelve strings, he had he actually got the block. He got the the wood before Emmett put the frets in. And there's this beautiful like mother of pearl inlay kind of 
Hawaiian kind of scene with trees and birds, and it's got all these beautiful colors. It is one of the most beautiful Chapman sticks you've, you've ever seen. Okay, I'm going to have to head over to his website yeah, and check that out I'll. sometime. Sounds pretty cool, yeah. Well, you know, um, we've all got our bromance with our man Rodrigo, though. So uh, let's <laughs> move on to him for a second. So sure. a month ago, when we were recording the, our previous episode, uh, All of the Above, you know, we kind of started out the episode doing a little bit of an update, you know, because we hadn't really talked about how our stick journeys uh, have been going. Uh, and Rodrigo had the nerve to actually be out playing some gigs at the time. <laughs> and so, you know, he had some lame excuse like playing a gig and he couldn't join us. So now that you're here, Rodrigo, so uh, let's put you on the spot here. Uh, you know, how are things going uh, for you in your in your musical life? Uh, it's finally I have some some rest now. COVID has given me this chance to stop a little for a little bit, so it's kind of like good and bad. But I managed to score some gigs right after the, the the end of the first wave of the pandemic. Most of them playing solo gigs with a stick, which was really cool uh, because it gave me um well the whole COVID thing made a big impact in my life as it did in most lives. But I decided to ride on it and change a, a few things uh, from the how, how many hours I, I practice a day to how do I look at it and trying to overcome the whole stressful thing with a stick playing solo live. So uh, I kind of like try to relax the whole live situation and it uh, put, managed to put that in practice for the, the last few gigs because I was mainly playing in churches with, um, you know, we have this like, churches that go back 2000 years so there's like literally hundreds of them most of them are are not being used anymore so they they do live concerts there so it's like this intimate place and the whole ambience of the thing is very very relaxing so it's it's really good to to forget about yourself and just mm -hmm. go with the flow go with the music and that's actually where the when you can get rid of your own ego that's when you start relaxing and just playing music and that has finally started happening with a stick playing live. So I managed to not think about myself or the mistakes I do or whatever um, and managed to just play the, the, the music that I wanted to. That happened because I've been working on the, the new album, just finishing it. Hopefully it will be finished in about a, a week. And oh. I set the bar so high, so high for myself that all the songs I, I play live are, you, these days are just like peanuts, you know. It's 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 really easy to play the whole thing that a year ago I was stressful about. These days I just can, you know. It's like home. It's relaxing. So it's a really good opportunity to let go of my ego because my ego is more in, bothered and connected with the new repertoire. So if I had to play any of the new stuff, I would just probably you know crash and burn but playing the the, the, the old <laughs> stuff it's suddenly it's like for, the day job the old yeah. stuff's like the day job it's just yeah, like oh so thank god suddenly it's is just easy. everything has become a lot yeah. easier i mean what i did a year ago and that was stressful this year it's just it's it's just been it so that that's what i've been doing you know playing live gigs of the last year's music which is cool i'm relaxed doing it and preparing new stuff for, for the for the new album which has really been really uh Stressful, yes, but I didn't want to say stressful, uh, uh, challenging. It's been mm -hmm. a real challenge doing this thing, which uh, would. So, what uh, what can you tell us about the new album? What sort of uh, what sort of repertoire is going to be on it? 
so it's 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 where I sit personally, which is in the, in this intersection of classical music and traditional music. You know, when you, you have these two worlds conjugate in the in the same place. So so when you have classical composers pick up traditional uh, styled music and do stuff with it and uh, work on it and embellish it and make it harder or make it more complex or whatever, but it still maintains the root flavor. So this is what I've been doing. It's The, the album has 16 songs. It goes from, um, from Venezuelan music, because I found that out and it's amazing, mm-hmm. uh, to Argentinian music, to... Uh, the, actually, there's a... Um, a song from an American composer, a bunch of European ones. There's Bach also, of course. So uh, of course. there's a bunch of of things, all of them played in one single instrument. For this album, it's just the the 12-string grand. So it's the stick-up sound playing 16 songs. I try to be as eclectic as possible. So I have like all of the techniques, all of the approaches that I've worked on or I've seen uh, in the past five years, I tried to have one song at least using one of those techniques. So I have like the whole traditional uh, arpeggiating, arpeggiating on a left hand one five ten. Then I might have something completely different, like Bach, which is hand independence. Then I might have something like a, a traditional rhythm on the uh, like chords and bass notes on the bass side, but block chords and uh, so it's. I try to put everything together, but starting with uh, classical composers, crossing with uh, traditional music so that's kind of like the thing it's simpler to listen well in about a, uh, a month you'll listen to it and you'll see what i try Wait, to can say, you hum them for me so i can hear <laughs> not <what> the- at <laughs> all not at all so it kind of sounds like from what you were just saying that no two songs are going to sound alike on this if you're pulling from different styles uh, as much as you can actually that, that's one of the funny things with music because when you're playing just one instrument it's the same person playing just one instrument and without particularly uh, big effects. There's there's this continuous line. So everything has a place that's very specific to this album. Uh, and yes, the, 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 the songs reach out in many different directions. But since it's the same instrument with the same, just the, the clean stick up sound playing with this one musician. So you kind of like feel there's a continuity to it and you don't feel like it's, that this is happening, that I'm stretching, stretching too thin, but actually I am, but it just doesn't feel like that. So, so it's been a fascinating journey. It started with COVID, you know, like in February, I started working on, on this stuff and it just, I went down the rabbit hole and worked more and more and more. And finally I got like this 16 pieces that I decided this is going to be some really good music to have on, on, on the stick my personal perspective and the funny thing about the stick is when you go down one road and you find out it's your road that you're doing it and there's not you're not trying to steal anything from anyone you're just putting in what you want and putting in more and more of yourself and giving it back to the people so it's not an album that i want to take anything for myself it's it's a thank a thankful album you know for all the stick has brought into my life it's just like it's me giving back that's why I decided to. Every song has was recorded live with video, also because I want to, and I have the scores for everything because I want to give it everything to the people. You know, it's it's like my the breadcrumbs I leave from 
for, for this year's work. So everything is going to be public. It's going to be offered. Uh, the whole album will be with videos on YouTube. Uh, the, the scores will be available as usual. Uh, everything is given. It's my contribution to the, the community. It's the, what I've found out and worked on for the past year. It was this and it's, it's what I want to do. It's, uh, I want to reach wow. the end of the year and give this back. Wow. Rodrigo, it was it was really easy to do, right? I mean, it's like the video and the recording. It was just like yeah, yeah. Like really I, I told you, yeah, it's, it was not. It's it, I never, I will never do this again because <laughs> having you know I having to give anything back to the community. This is it. This is Enjoy. it. <laughs> because recording video with four cameras and the spotlights and, and recording audio at the same time, and you have to sound beautiful, but it, you can't have. Like uh, I had one of the songs that there was a fly, you know, crossing <laughs> across my face. It was the most beautiful, <laughs> it was the best take I had of that song. Spoiler so alert. I had, Spoiler I had alert. to decide having the, the the fly on it. Flies are really making appearances. In yeah, 2020. It's, it's the year of the fly. <laughs> so funny. You know, it sounds a lot like uh, that saying that when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And it sounds like you're making some pretty awesome lemonade here, man. That's, although I do have to say, you know, when I'm watching these videos and I see you sweating, I'm not sure, going to be sure if it's because you're sweating because of the performance or if you're sweating because of all the spotlights. Yeah, exactly. That's That was <laughs> the thing. The main problem, uh, there was this thing with the fly, but the main thing was because the temperature rises while you're recording, right? And like you're trying to, it's the 10th take of a song. And, and, the, and the, the room is very hot. The, the stick is detuning. So uh, how you call it? You're having, starting to have intonation problem with all the heat in the room. So uh, all of this put together, it doesn't put you in a nice, sweet spot where you can have recording a, of an album. So it's, it adds stress and stress and stress. So it it's was hard. a very it's painful, painful thing. So can I ask you a question about your recording process? Sure. Are you mixing both the direct signal and microphones off of your amps actually i just record the direct signal and then afterwards after the it, it all sounds clean and good i like that take just with the, the the raw signal you know then afterwards it comes out of the computer again it goes through my usual effect chain and then re-records again to the to computer so i have like this two track which is uh, melody and bass side they get recorded, and then when I'm happy with that, with that take, then that's when I start adding the. It's not very much. It's just a little EQ, some uh, some reverb, and the compression is then on a, on the end of it. It's all done. Mm -hmm. When you're recording, Rodrigo, do you do you give yourself some of the the kind of the sweetness in the headphones? Do you mean do you do you record with a little bit of reverb when you like in your in the cans when you're recording? Well, I'm, I'm not recording with the headphones because it's just the, the, the direct signal. So uh, what I do is I split the signal. One part goes to the computer and gets recorded. The other part goes to my usual live rig. So I'm playing with the sound I usually know gotcha. and get recorded with the, the, the gotcha. raw sound. So. Okay. So that, that's, that's, that's being like in two places at once. It's like you're familiar recording sound with compression, reverb, and EQ, or no compression. Like, but, but the idea is that you then... How you capture the live signal just dry, which you can then reamp. Because what what usually what's good for you when you play live, it doesn't translate. It's not the perfect thing you you would want on a on a recording. So yeah. there's gonna be some tweaking after with the, even the, the the effect chain. 
when you start working with the studio monitors and the, the final audio, you realize what, what I use live is not suitable for, for, uh, for a CD. So that's why I have to record the, the raw signal. Yeah, outstanding. Well, I know I am definitely looking forward to, to hearing that and certainly the, the evolution of things and the, the format will kind of raise the bar for kind of stickists to come. Given that that's not even I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's, it's not even the, the, the point. I'll be very honest with you guys. I wanted to give something to Emmett. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's all about thanking and, and giving something. You know, the, that story when the kids tend to try to impress their fathers, mm -hmm. you know, so like I stretch myself very, very thin just to do something that I show Emmett and that he would say, whoa, I like this. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. To be honest, it was this. It was, I want to do something that will have an impact on the man that created the instrument. So that, that was the, the, the whole thing, the whole point. You know, this is cool because, you know, hearing all of this, because this is just like doing an interview of a featured guest. <laughs> <laughs> it's two for one. <laughs> oh, lots of bang for the buck there. Yeah, we're glad you're here, Rod. Wow, yeah. Anyway, so I had a little help. I sent a couple of the songs to to Greg, you know, just to have his feedback on it. And it's it's been cool because I've I've been working with some people and showing them. And you've been working on a song for like two months, recording for, for like two months, and they say, "Well, there's this," and you're like, "Oh my god, I don't want to go back again and re-record all this." Mm -hmm. so, oh yeah, uh, it's hard to hear. Yeah, and this is one of the good things about the community. It's really cool to have people that. Uh, can you can share things with and that will give you an input that it's actually something that will enrich the whole process mm. so um this has been a, an incredible journey in spite of covid the, the lockdown was very 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 enriching for me so mm. uh, that's great to hear a time of efficiency and, and productivity yeah, taking advantage of you know having to stay home for for months on a row. Sure. Uh, that so I'm gonna do something with with this time. It's, that, it's that or driving Netflix stock value. You know, I mean, like <laughs> <laughs> you know, when the vaccine does come around, like Netflix, watch watch you know sell your Netflix shares because everyone's gonna be going back to work and going out to see live music. Ah, yeah, that's the dream, anyways. <laughs> well, I, you know, Rod, I can't, I can't wait to hear it. it. It sounds so exciting, and it sounds like a, it sounds like more than just an album. It sounds like it was this experience. It's a labor of love, in terms of what I put in it, and it's the objective is to give love back. You know, so it's it's, uh, it's not supposed to be the best album ever. Definitely not the best stick album ever. But is it is the best that I could do at this time in 2020, and it was done with love, and it it's with respect. Sure. For the instrument, the community, and particularly, it's something that I wanted to give Emmett, you know, uh, which is my best for particularly Emmett because he's, he's a, a man that I respect and th that impresses me a lot every day. So it's uh, something that I really wanted to to give back, you know. So sure. I, I'm listening to this and it's kind of like a, a egocentric kind of stuff, but it's the truth. No, that's fantastic. That's, I, I think that's fine, though, because I think that a lot of stick players will appreciate it and they'll see themselves in your music and, and, and share that same appreciation. Well, at least probably most people find stuff there that they do not want to do. So that's, that's even 
better you know that's half the work if you don't if you know what you do not want to do then that's half the work it's already done all right anyways well cool it will be out definitely before the before Christmas, so I don't know, in a week or two, it should be over, and then it's just the time to upload it, everything, and videos and stuff. That's awesome. All right. Well, Rodrigo, thanks a lot for that update and for, you know, shoot, speaking for myself, but I'm pretty sure for everyone else, for, the, for a few moments of inspiration there. You're a treasure, and it's awesome to have you here. So uh, I'm so glad that you're part of this um, team. It's my pleasure. And I, and I missed you guys. I, we I missed you the too. hell out of you guys. <laughs> it's good to see you. Yeah, you too. This guy. That this guy. guy. This guy, that guy. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Now we're going to hear an interview that Gene, Claire, and Rodrigo did with Rob Gilner. Rob is a lifelong musician. He's a trumpet player, and he plays all sorts of other stuff, too. And fortunately for us, he also plays the Chapman Stick in various forms. So we're going to go ahead and cut away from the four of us, and we'll pick up this interview with Rob Gellner. I hope you enjoy it. Joining us today is Rob Gellner, who is a trumpeter and a flugelhorn player. He's also a teacher. And um, uh, in these past few years, he's been and become um, just a fantastic Chapman stick player. So Rob Gellner of the Rob Gellner Sextet, we are glad to have you on and uh, can't wait to ask you some questions. I think we'll just get right into it. I know Upon seeing the Chechen that you were just showing off a few moments ago, that Rodrigo had a few questions. So, Rod, we'll we'll let you uh, start. In regards to, uh, actually, that was Rod. So maybe I'm oh, I'm sorry. Rod, <laughs> this is gonna, this is That's going to be happening all a lot. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> so, um, hi, Rob. It's great to see you again. Awesome to see you. So, uh, well, you just showed us the the new twelve string. It just got like a week ago or something, right? Yep, yep. Like on Monday. Okay, so it's like it's even even less than that. Five days ago. So, um, first thing I saw, it's you have the the, the Chechen, and you said something about there's this kind of wood that you can't get in Canada, which actually sound I got curious about. But before that, the first thing when you showed us, I saw those 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 new frets that uh, the instrument have how do they feel on the on your fingers the goldilocks frets yeah. uh, i like them i can i can't compare them to other grands because i've only i think the other other grands i played were in interlocking um or maybe in vancouver well you have an sg12 right which frets do you have on that one tiny tiny Okay. They're, they're tiny tiny um but i have seen the jumbo frets on the tiny on the on the sg12 too and it I do know that, um, that I like the medium size. The Goldilocks frets are really nice. So compared to the, the, the frets on the real board, how do you feel them? I think they're about the same size, perhaps. I, I sold my real board a while ago, so I can't quite remember. Okay, not, not too different anyway. So you, you can adapt very fast. Yes, yeah, yeah. I like them. They're, uh, they feel good. Cool. I like the fact that I can feel the wood underneath it. Um, I think with the bigger frets, you can't feel the wood so much. 
So um, I don't like that as much. I like I like the feel of the wood for sure. Okay. Where did you get the the the, the Chechen the the wood? Why did I get Chechen? Um, no. If you go on the Stick Enterprise website and you want rosewood, and it it says on there, if you live in Canada, you can't have this. Now it may change again, but apparently rosewood is a I don't know if it's endangered or it's it's kind of uh, illegal to have in Canada. It's, um, it's kind of like an exotic wood or something. It's like an that. exotic wood. So there's so much demand on it that they're trying to save the species of wood. So they're saying we won't accept rosewood in Canada. Okay. Um, at least it used to say that. I don't know if it's changed. I know that um, Kevin C. He got he has a rosewood, but that was before the border said we can't. We're not allowing those in. Okay. So um, Chechen or Chechen, I don't really know how you say it, but it's supposed to be a rosewood alternative. Hmm. I mean, I debated getting Wenge too, but to me, the Wenge was just too dark. So uh, I like the rosewood look, but it, it came. It was a pretty new option. So and the inlays, they were like bluish something. They're turquoise. Okay, they're turquoise inlays. I was thinking white, and you know, the, the turquoise look really pretty and. You know, you want to make it your own, right? So Greg has a Chechen stick with white inlays. I didn't want to get the same color as him. So I don't know. It's an opportunity to be more unique. And the pickup, we know you have a stick up, but when you showed us, we saw that you have it like with the back plate so you can swap it with the other models like the Passive 4 and the Active 2. Yeah. I called up Stick Enterprise to order the stick and I said, I want Chechen because I want the Goldilocks frets. They said, well, we have one, but it's only, there's a cutout for a passive four or an active two. And I said, well, can you put a backing plate on? And they said, yeah, for 20 bucks more, they would do that. So they put the stick up on, because I really, after hearing Andy Silvano's play, I love his sound. Um, so I love the sound of the stick up. So I, that I, guy, I figured, that guy. I've got yeah. a passive four on my SG12. I don't need another passive four. Let me get something completely different. And then if I ever want to swap it out, I can swap them out now. I don't know that I will, but who knows, right? At least I have an option to do that. So, Okay, so that's kind of like the description of your instrument and your first impressions on it. That's what we really want to hear. Oh, I love it. I'm, uh, I think I've probably put 20 hours into it so far since uh, like five days. It's a lot. I just can't stop putting it down. <laughs> uh, when I got my SG12, I didn't touch my railboard ever again. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I would pick it up once in a while and go, ew, I don't like this because it was aluminum and um, wood is warm. So, so Rob, maybe we could take a little step back and kind of you've you've mentioned the the other sticks you have. Maybe a little bit of the evolution of what you started with and and where you how you got to where you are now, and and kind of some of that insight about the railboard and the SG. Why why you progressed the way you did? Yeah. So, uh, listening to your other episodes, you were talking about why people got their railboards, and I think Rodrigo and Victor both said because it's the cheapest, and it was the cheapest option, and After hearing Kevin Keith play it, it was like, oh, if you can pop and slap on that thing, I want one of those, right? Um, the, the brutal truth that really only Kevin exactly. Keith can that pull guy. that off, yeah. right? That guy. I've never, I've never <laughs> even attempted to try it yet. So, uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I got the rail board because um, it was the cheapest. I mean, when I got my stick, I think I saw Bob playing it online. And then I decided I got to get one of these things. And I didn't know anything about it. 
didn't know who I could try to stick out with, you know, to see if I liked it. So I just jumped in the, in the deep end and bought one sight unseen, which I think a lot of people did. So I think that's why I went with the cheapest one because I didn't know what I wanted. So uh, really loved the railboard. I had it for uh, about a year and a half, and then I just I decided to get an SG12 because I wanted something different. I was starting to get into playing some Bach, and I thought the SG12 it's a little brighter. It's um, you know, there's like I can't remember the the guy that did the Scarlatti um, on an SG12, Akeen or Akun or Unver, yeah, Akeen. I, I know that's the name. That yeah. video on a, on a, on a church, right? He's on yeah. a that guy. That guy. <laughs> that that sold me on on the SG12. But um, I was what, because I had a ten string rail board. I thought, well, let's get a ten string alto because that makes sense. But then I thought, well, why don't I just get the other two strings? Because I, I was finding myself missing that, that I, I'm wishing I had an extra set of strings or mm -hmm. an extra two notes to have an extra option to play two other notes somewhere else, right? So with a 12 string, I have that two extra optional strings to go to if I need to. So I got the SG-12, loved it, never touched the railboard again. A quick question for you on... When you purchased the SG-12, had you been to a seminar yet or had you tried an SG-12 or was it just that you felt the railboard was great, but you just wanted one more? Or did you try somebody else's instrument or was it just like, let's, this, it was so much fun getting the first one, I'm going to get another one. I never got to try a, an SG-12 or an Alto at a, at a stick camp, but I did, I did feel kind of um, like... The new guy when I went to stick camp because I had I was one of about two or three people that had a rail board, but everybody okay. else had all these twelve string grands, mm -hmm. and there was a few ten string you know um, wood sticks, but there weren't that many rail boards, and I kind of thought I don't feel like I belong to the club, even though uh, even though it's legit, right? Yeah. So, Emmett plays it, so you can't get more legit. Right? Than that. Yeah, legit Emmett, than Emmett that. has yeah, that board. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah, I never got to try. I did get when I went to Interlock in the second time. I got to try some some NSG twelve that had the jumbo frets on it, mm -hmm. and I thought this doesn't look right. It didn't. It felt funny. That's why I I said the Goldilocks frets. I think I want those. Mm -hmm. Going full circle, I guess. But Rob, which which tuning did you have on your rail board, and and which one on your S? I'm just curious of the sort of the relationship and tunings when you when you moved. I started raised match reciprocal. And then uh, found that I, I hated my left hand being so far behind my head. And, and Steve Adelson, just go to classic. So I ended up putting my left hand up a little closer, like down a bit more, right? Um, so I'm, I'm classic on the rail board. Then I got classic high bass fourth on the SG-12. Ooh. And then uh, when I ordered my new 12 string, I, I got classic high bass fourth. Now, I hate the high bass fourth on the, on the grand stick. And I'll tell you why, because I got so used to playing, when I play on the SG-12, and the Claire will make sense to you because you have an SG-12, when I'm courting on my SG-12, the top string I don't use very much because the very top string is very, very high. Like it's, I don't know where it is, but but when you play the the grand, your hand moves over one one set of strings. And because I had top, the top string was in fourths, I was... I had to change all my chord positions. So it's when you're translating what you're playing on your SG-12 to your grand. Yes. That you're running into issues with the high bass. Okay. I will say that I don't, personally, I don't tend to try to play the same things. Um, 
on the two instruments. Like if there's something I'm learning on the SG-12, I'll, I'll usually stick to that instrument. So I haven't experienced that because I, I actually really love the high bass fourth on both instruments for yeah. the, the flexibility they give you. But I will say, usually I don't I don't try to translate pieces over. And I, I But I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I want the ability to translate it over, although I'm planning on using the SG-12 for classical stuff. And um, maybe a situation where I go and because uh, I, I, I don't play any bands right now because COVID is not, you know, allowing anybody to get out. But um, if I play in a band and there's a bass player there, I'll bring the SG-12. If I'm doing a solo gig by myself, I'm going to bring the, the, the Grand because it's got more bass bottom end and I'm not competing with a bass player. So that's kind of the thought process in my mind why I wanted the two different instruments is that. They're completely different. It's kind of like I have a piccolo trumpet and a, and a C trumpet and a B flat trumpet. They're all different horns. They all have a different sound and a different function. So, yeah. And and the rail board, I got rid of the rail board to, to buy the, the grand. And I, I figured I, I if I'm not using it, let's get something else. And because I knew I liked the 12 string, uh, I knew that I would like the grand. And I was starting to miss the low end that I was getting on the rail board that I can't get on the SG-12. So yeah, I, I, going back to the high bass fourth on the grand, I, I, I ended up tightening up the, the thing to afraid that I was going to break the string. But I think going up a whole step isn't going to hopefully not damage the string. So um, anyway, so far I kind of went, ah, oh, I feel so much better. Hmm. I, it makes sense to me. So I might go back to the high bass fourth. I mean, it's easy enough to switch back and forth. Like if you're trying to play your SG-12 stuff, just you know, tune it up. And then yeah. if you're not, you could always, I mean, yeah, I don't know the string tension or there's probably some string that maybe does both. Well, <laughs> I don't know, but it's easy enough to change back and forth if you want. Right. Yeah. yeah. So just that I can understand exactly. So the, the lowest notes on the SG 12 is the same as the second bass string on a grand. Yes. When they're okay, both tuned classic. Yes. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> As, so when you move from one to the other, it's like you, you're playing the, the same instrument, just one string higher. Yeah. That's why you have this problem. So it's like you have the same strings. It's and, yeah, it's a fifth okay. up on yeah, the SG. Yeah. On, on the bass side. And on the um, melody side, you basically, uh, it's the same thing. If your hand moves one string over, but then you have to move up an octave to get to that. So you're moving one string over, but then uh, two frets towards okay. the bridge. Okay, uh, okay. So... Um, that's a little bit disorienting. That's like, more finding the bass side. I'm not disoriented at all. I know where everything is, um, but the the melody side slightly, but not really. The melody side's my comfort zone. I'm more happy. I'm com more comfortable with that than the bass side. So mm. it's not so bad. And then I uh, I cheat you with when I got my SP two. You uh, said that you can put put a lead out into a, a tuner. So I always have the tuner on, so I can always just double check to see where I, if I'm in the right spot. So I, I'm cheating, but actually, I stole that, that same. I just stole this that idea from you on from um, last year because I saw how you had the the little um, tuner plugged in all the time, and then it's like a reference. So you're working what's this note exactly, and then you just look down, you know, and it's written there. It's perfect. I mean, that's, I have not, it all that's not cheating. That's creative <laughs> use of technology. <laughs> well, I. I saw how Rob was using that, and I, mm. the moment I got home, I bought a, a, a just the same tuner, and I just put it on a pedal board. You know, now I have it written there the notes that I'm playing, so it's it's really easier. You know, that is a good technique to have because I'll be right in the middle of the fretboard and go like, I know it's the third, but I don't want to do that kind of math right now, and just to be able to look down and 
have a reference is a, is a great way to learn if you're a visual learner. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. That's a great uh, little bit there. I'm going to have to go get one of those too. <laughs> There's like nothing new under the sun in the stick world. It's like, we just like, oh, I got it from Jim. I got it from Joe. You know, like we just, <laughs> they came up with something and I stole it and it works perfectly. You know, it, it is fun to hear, you know, uh, Rod and Rob, you, you guys have these professional experiences where you're playing as, uh, Rodrigo, you're playing more solo pieces these days, right? There's more, less ensemble work and more solo work. Correct? With the stick, yeah, definitely. Okay. Just, just solo. So it's it's interesting to hear that kind of how you work it in, in your professional kind of realm and how you don't really, hmm, how do you say this? Um, it's live, right? So like you really have to get it right the first time and having a tuner there and having a reference um, you know, as a, as a fretless player also, you know, that would be nice to have if you were playing a fretless one. But um, it's interesting to hear um, the the kind of fail safe that you have as a professional player, like having that tuner there all the time, having that reference is something I would never have thought to do, but it's so good to have. I would say it's particularly useful when you're arranging or learning something or Rob knows this because when you're playing like when you're playing Bach and you're learning a piece and it's like B flat. So where's B flat right now? And you're or the other way around, you you it's not this exact note. It's I wanted a B flat. So you just look at the tuner, you look at your hands, and the whole thing just comes together, you know. So when practicing, it's incredibly useful. When I'm playing live, the, the stress I don't even remember. I have a tuner. I have all these things in my head. Yeah, the yeah. tuner is not. It's not that makes sense. That makes sense. There. That makes sense. So it's really more of a kind of an extension of the workflow in learning pieces, especially ones that are very structured in both sides. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Well, so Rob, Rob with a B. Um, so. Yeah, so I, I, I want to talk a little bit about pickups. Uh, we, we've talked a little bit like about the number of strings and kind of the platform itself, whether it's an aluminum instrument or a solid wood instrument. Um, tell us a little bit about the decision to go with the stick up and kind of uh, what you had implemented on your sticks so that you have these options for pickups. Okay, so... And maybe you can show us. Like even yeah. though people on the podcast won't be able to to, to see it, we can we can explain what we see. Yeah, yeah. So the stick up, I, I, I wanted to go with the stick up because I have a lot of favorite stickets, including Rodrigo and other people. Uh, but Andy Silvanos is uh, uh, one of my favorites. Um, I'm really a big fan of of his sound. Um, and actually, when I teach trumpet lessons, one of the things I teach my students is sound concept. What do you want your sound to sound like? So. There's a lot of things that affect your sound concept, but pickup is one of them, right? So um, to me, the, the stick up, and I, I could, because I'm um, slightly hearing impaired, hence the name Jazz Beethoven, I um, don't hear things as well. But to me, the, the stick up sounds more three-dimensional than any other pickup. I, maybe it's got more highs, more lows. Like it just seems to have a broader spectrum of sound. So I love the Andy sound, and I, I, I kind of envision doing some sort of ambient-type album of some sort, you know, a lot like what Andy does or some jazz stuff. So I thought the stick-up is really nice for that. It might work well for Bach, too. I don't know. But I don't think I'd be doing any Bach on the on the Grand. But maybe I will. I don't know. Um, then don't, I, don't, don't discard that idea. It sounds good. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I won't discard it. But. <laughs> true, true story. So true story. I, I was at a, an event – 
um, in, I think it was Miracosta, which was in right, right outside of San Diego or San Marcos area. And um, there, it was a, an event that was hosted by Bob called mostly Tom, Tom Greasegraver. And so Bob was kind of brought in to kind of supplement the class. So it's Bob and Tom. And they were leading the class. And uh, Randy, Randy Gretsch had got up and had a 12-string, an SG 12-string. He was kind of an early adopter. And he was doing all the box stuff that he does so well. And uh, I remember it like Bob Culbertson turning to, to the stick players that were right there. And he goes, God, that stick up sounds good with the classical, doesn't it? Like <laughs> Bob's words, like Bob's words. And I was like, so Rodrigo, yeah, don't discount it. Because I, I think it is such a unique sound. And a lot of times it's the first time you hear the stick is oftentimes a stick up, at least for me. You know, early on, the stuff with, uh, with, with, with Tony Levin, uh, certainly, you know, for me. And, and while we were talking, I, I was holding up my instrument. So teasing us with that hybrid pickup. Yeah, yeah. So, so really, what I wanted evil, to was, evil gene. So this, yeah, this is the, the hybrid. But but also, what I really wanted to show off was the the the, the casing for. And, and Rob, maybe you can do the same. You can hold up your instrument as well, because you can see that a stickup is smaller uh, than the block, which is intended for the passive four and the active two. And so there's actually wood that has to be cut away to accommodate that larger casing. And a lot of stick players already know that, but I just wanted to draw attention to that. The instrument that I have was a 12-string instrument that's, um, uh, I think this is a bamboo, and this one has, it's made for stick-up. So if you wanted to modify it, you know, you'd have to, yeah, see, there's a, there's a little bit of extra room there. So as we're looking at Rob's new Chechen stick, you've got a little bit of spacing, maybe about a quarter inch. Uh, maybe three eighths of an inch on either side that the the stick up just kind of rides on. So the option there is is that if you then decide, hey, I'd like to have a block pickup, um, you know, you can see here. So the the one that I have is just a straight up block. This is also a twelve string, but it fits in there very snugly, and there's not as much room. I don't know if I can balance these two instruments together, but I'm making my point here to our tap and timers to 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 just kind of show and have some perspective. So the, the distance is made up on the, what looks to be like the, the melody side. There's a little bit of extra room there that gets swallowed up to accommodate the block. Well, it looks like, it looks like the stick up has a slightly um, more severe angle as well. Like if, if we look at the one on, on the, the back plate, it looks oh. like the, the stick up is slightly. Yeah. You yeah. see how it's, it's just a slightly bit more of an angle on it too. Okay. So yeah, it's so interesting to note, but it, yeah, it definitely fits within it. And it's, it's obviously a little shallower. Well, when Kevin saw it, he says your pickup looks askew. <laughs> and, and it is in relation, but it's, it's, it's parallel to the, to the pot. Yeah. It's where a stick up strings, but it's uh, where the stick up normally would be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. also, the stick ups thinner than the, than the other pickups. Yep. So one other thing I will do while we're doing this and I've got both sticks up here, you can see here, the older frets and the newer frets. So the lower uh, bamboo that I'm holding right now, you can see the the frets are much larger, much more pronounced. And with the with the maple twelve string, it's much smaller. So the the Goldilocks frets that we're talking about that Rob has are, are right there somewhere in the middle. And I think that we, like with so many things in the stick world, we have Greg Howard to thank for that. One question now, in terms of 
the exact attack of the note, so I'm talking about the first millisecond, the hit of the finger on a string, the first sound it produces is a hit, right? It's not a note. It's before the string starts to vibrate. Do you have more noise or less noise with the Goldilocks uh, frets? Or is it the same or do you, you don't know? I can't tell. I, I just know that the stick-up pickup seems to be a little more responsive to me, but that's just... Don't again. Don't don't hold me to that. But I can't tell you about the frets because um, I can't. I've never thought about it because I know my SG12 really small frets that I have are even smaller, and I'm not really noticing a difference. Maybe the yeah, I don't know. Well, I think in in theory the distance. So the distance between the string and the tip of the fret is the same, or it should be in a, in an in a instrument that's set up properly. I believe so. The distance between the tops of the frets and how the top of the fret feels and the string should be the same. What changes is how high the fret comes off the fretboard, which won't that wouldn't affect your sound. I'll, I'll put it I'll put it in a different way because I'm just finishing my 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 new my new album and I'm working on the sound issues very specifically and what I've noticed is this and then I've talked with Andy Salvanos also so uh, about the whole tone thing it, and I'm not really sure this is just how I picture it and how I imagine it the harder you hit the string the more noise you have the more energy the string has right so the more the volume and and that's dynamics and all that but Let's imagine on a, a scale that goes until ten. If you, if this, the the speed of your finger goes from one to three, it's it's very low. From three to five, it's the most beautiful tone. And from five, six, seven up until ten, you get louder notes, but you get noise with it. You have a, it's like sometimes when you get too close to ten, it's like squashed. The sound it's it's like it's being squashed. So there's a perfect like a sweet spot of, of, of strength, you hit the string. And then you can, like, I've just recorded a bunch of songs, so I'm listening to all of them. Some of them I know I'm playing lighter, and it, the tone is very close to Andy's. And I've got some that I'm really, you know, more energetic. And it's the same, the whole same instrument, same tone. Sometimes it's even in the same key. Uh, but the, the the tone of the of the instrument is completely different, so it responds in a completely different way. So that's why I'm asking. Maybe it will sound better or worse. I don't know. Changing the if if I tried it with um, the different frets, I don't know. What what pickup are you using, Rodrigo? For this record, just the the, the stick up. It's just one instrument playing sixteen songs, just with a stick up, and it's incredible how the amount of tone differences you have going from song to song to song to song because it's not so much the key you're in, but uh, the energy you put on the instrument. It responds so differently uh, that I have to change the the, the setup, the the settings of the effects and all of everything that comes down the chain because the the, the beginning of the sound especially the, the speed at which the, the, the string is struck changes everything from, from that place on. That's why I was curious about the, the new frets. Anyway, just thinking out loud. Yeah, it is, it is fascinating to hear because you're so deep into the recording process. Exactly. This is not something you would realize when you're playing live, but after, I don't know, one month listening to the same 16 songs and trying to figure out the perfect place of everything, then you start looking into this kind of tiny stuff and they become huge, you know, 
And sure. suddenly there's a big problem where, I mean, you listen to it and it's okay, but then you go dive into it and you find it, this is unusable or stuff like yeah. that. So that's how far you can go down the rabbit hole. Anyway. Yeah. Well, so really quickly on that note, because I do feel like it kind of ties in with what we're talking about. When you're recording the stick up, what is the experience or how is it different from recording the R block? It's it's like Rob said. It's it's like having uh, uh, the difference between a trumpet and a flugel or a piccolo. It's a completely different instrument, and you you do it completely different. The, the whole, I mean, you record it the same way. It's the same uh, the same cable if you want to, or the same preamp. But everything is different because it's different instruments for different songs. So I would say you would approach it in a completely different way. Each one with its own personality. So uh, like the R block, I don't use it for the same songs. I use it in the stick up. And um, everything I record raw, you know, and then I, I later on I apply the effects. And the old effects change. It's different from which instrument I'm playing. I don't know. How, how do you feel about it, Rob? When you go back from the, the, the SG-12 to the... I mean, you only had it for, for a week, but... Does it? Do you have to use different presets in the effects when you change from one instrument to the other? I've been keeping the presets the same so far. Um, it just the, the pickup is making it sound warmer, or it sounds slightly different. Okay. And, and it's especially in the passive four, because you have all those filterings in there, and then the different pickup options. You can do the top pickup, bottom pickup, or put them out of phase or in phase. So, you know that that option isn't on the stick up. So. So for the most part, you're using the, the, the Passive 4 on the SG-12 and the Stick Up on the Grand. Yes. And then, so really, maybe, Rob, really quickly, maybe you can talk about, you know, with the new instrument, that's something to consider. You're, you're not going from an active pickup to a passive pickup, but, you know, the, the, the Passive 4 is a pretty hot pickup. And so um, maybe really quickly tell us about your, your rig, what you're using for effects, so we can get some kind of reference on that, like... I use the SP2 as a preamp because everybody else seems to like it. So uh, I don't know if you can see on the floor there. Okay, there's the board. Okay. There's the board. So uh, I've got my SP2 here. And the pickups are, I haven't been changing levels or anything. Uh, maybe, I, maybe, I don't know which, which one's louder or not, but. Uh, so yeah, what was the question? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Rodrigo kind of asked it. You know, it's just kind of curious um, because you know the, the the feel of an instrument, the 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 feel of an SG12 as opposed to the feel of an alto, the the feel of a railboard compared to like a, a ten string ironwood. These instruments feel differently because of the actual like format, the platform, I guess. But yeah. in terms of just the pickup itself. If we're just closing our eyes as a listener and we're listening to it, it sounds like everything has kind of carried over pretty nicely in terms of going from the SG-12 as your primary instrument to the, the, the Chechen 12 string with the stick up. And there's not a lot of adjustments that needed to be made necessarily. No, no, it's been pretty much, they're pretty seamless and uh, I find them similar. I mean, they, they sound different sonically, but mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't had to change my setup at all, really. That that my, is really my cool. Settings are still the same on, uh, like, for the inputs on the. So, I think in the end I might turn the uh, the amp up a little bit or down a bit, just. But 
but no, I've kept it the same. And EQ wise about the same, but again, my ears aren't the best for, for picking the best EQ. So I just kind of pick what works for me. So with my hearing loss, I, I, I've got less bass response than most people. Gotcha. So, so I sometimes might, um, that's why I'll send stuff to Rodrigo or other people just to say, Hey, listen to this because I can't tell if it's too bass heavy or not. Cause I might, I tend to crank the bass up more. Gotcha. Which is partly why I got the SG12 too, because I can hear the mid, mids and highs better than the low bass response. So, got it. So, so, go ahead, Rodrigo. No, I was just going to conclude saying that now replying to your question. So that would never happen with going from the the, the R block to the the stick up. You have to have different something presets, EQ, yeah. whatever, because they don't work. You, you can't match them, you know, just can't just change the cable from one to the other and it won't sound good. If you have the thing set up for one of the instruments, the other one, in my opinion, wouldn't sound particularly good. So you'd have to change. Rob, uh, fr from his experience, doesn't. So going from the Passive 4 to the, um, the stick up, that's really cool. So they're close enough so you can just swap instruments and have them sound good. So that's... Uh, yeah. Kind of like well, I still have to get that little uh, mixer that you, uh, that you sent me a picture of. Yeah. Because I, I like the idea of having a little mixer for with both cables going into one mixer, then going into the SP2. I think that's how you have a setup, right? Yeah, we're talking about the ART Split 4 or something like that. It's like a, this mini mixer that the size of a DI box. It works in stereo, so um, you can plug in four different sticks and come out, uh, and they, they have like four uh, knob, volume knobs, and then it comes out from one stereo out. Uh, and then you, it, it goes into the SP2, so I can have like four instruments plugged in at the same time without the need to, you know, back and forth the same cable. And, and yeah. they're all plugged in at the same time. It's passive thing, so it it's really doesn't add any noise. Um, and it's really cool. But did, did you ever try it, Rob? No, I haven't got it yet. I was waiting to get my um, grand. Now that I have my grand, I think I might because... I'm the kind of guy that uh, I, if you're going to play your instruments, they have to be out. Yeah. If you have your instrument in your case, you're not going to take it out of the case. That, so that means, is the voice of experience. Exactly. Well, no, I tell my students the same thing, right? Where do you practice in your room? Leave it out of you. Don't put it in your case. Cause if you go open, if you can open your case up, you're not going to actually go and get the horn out. So, um, so all my instruments are sitting out where I can play them whenever <laughs> I want. If you go to, to robgelner.com slash bio, you'll see, Rob surrounded, but it looks like four trumpets. And so this, this is all true. What he's saying. <laughs> well, that, that's probably a pit gig. So, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, in the picture on your website, it, there you are with like, you know, what looks to be like five, five horns. <laughs> yeah. Well, just going off on a tangent here, yesterday I had some people recording uh, um, something here in the studio and they were having fun and I just decided to, take out the, the double bass out of the bag. And I, as I was doing it, I thought, man, the last time this instrument got out of the bag was exactly November last year. So it stuck there in a year. I didn't touch it because I'm doing other stuff with other instruments. And it, it never even crossed my mind the thought of opening up the case. You know, it's a big thing. It's heavy. So it, it's, he's right. I mean, if it's in the bag or in a case, he won't get it out. Mm -hmm. Unless yeah. you have to for something very specific. So. There was a great post that Andy Prokopic made a couple of years back about how when he had gotten a new Chapman stick, he's like, don't tell the other bases, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All the bases are like, why are we in this closet? It's dark. Like, what's going on in here, you know? And the, 
you know, and, and, uh, you know, one of the things I loved about having something that allowed me to play the stick without using the belt and the strap, um, the lap dog is one thing, but certainly having an interface that allows you to just to walk up on it really made all the difference, especially when I had, you know, uh, when my daughters were much younger because, um, they just require your attention and your energy. And when you have that, just that one moment to just, you know, in between a phone call or, you know, whatever it is that's going on in the evening and you're making dinner or you're cleaning up and, and just to get like five or 10 minutes of playing and, and having accessibility to it. I think that we sometimes discount that. So have your instruments out. That's a great, that's a great lesson, Rob, is, is, is get that, have them out where you can see them. And, and it's funny cause I, I subconsciously, I find myself saying that to people that when I go to their houses and they have their guitars, you know, in the cases underneath their bed or something, I'm like, why not just leave it right there? You know, just leave it right there. Maybe. It looks good too. <laughs> <laughs> so Annie, my girlfriend, you know, she was really mad when I sold the graphite stick because it was black and, you know, black and white are her favorite colors and she matches things with it. And she's like, where's my stick? And I was like, <laughs> this isn't your pottery barn, like backdrop, you know, like I, I didn't want the graphite anymore. I wanted to, you know, the 12 string wood. And so she's still kind of her. I don't know, Gene, you, you had an excuse to keep another stick around. <laughs> <laughs> I do miss the graphite. You could have had it just sitting in the living room for a show. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, she that's how she displays it. <laughs> she she puts it in the corner and makes it like it's by the fireplace. You know, it's like so inviting. Um, there's no amps or anything around because as soon as I get out like the pedals and stuff, she's like, oh, no, that stuff has to go. <laughs> that doesn't look good at all. That's not going in the catalog. <laughs> So, how, uh, Rob, how do how do your students feel about the the stick? You have? Because you you're, you teach a lot, right? You have a bunch of students. Well, yeah. So I teach. I don't teach stick, I, uh, but I teach. I teach trumpet, uh, French horn, trombone, maybe piano. If anybody is interested, um, so they all think it's cool. I get a lot of kids that go to university for music, and they think it's the coolest instrument. So, so do do they ask you to try it? Uh, nobody's ever really said that. When can I try that? But they do think it's pretty cool because it's always on in my lessons. So I just like just to be over and like, you know, they like, oh, that's cool. I mean, that wasn't, but <laughs> <laughs> I think, you but, know, yeah. there's unfortunately no, like there's no stick parts in band music, you know, it's kind of yet. <laughs> yeah. Of yet. There's no, there's no stick parts. Hoping to change that someday, but you know, Rob, what was the, the, there was a, a video that you had shared, it was a year or two ago, but it was with uh, a, a live performance and you were, I think it was a trumpet gig for you, but they had you kind of featured on one of the songs and I, I, I can't remember what song it was. I believe it was a Sting song. It was Fragile, yeah. So one of my very favorite bass players in Canada is a guy named Rich Brown. Um, he's toured all over the States with, anybody, with everybody, but... Um, I always wanted to play with him, and that guy that hired me to play the gig hired the bass player that I wanted. Mm. So, and uh, uh, Tim, the guy that hired me, uh, he said, "Can we do? Can we do Fragile?" And I said, "Sure, but let's get Rich to play the melody line at the beginning." So Rich didn't even know. I mean, he he knew the tune by mem by memory, but mm. he just jumps in like no problem. Like I've done this twenty five million times. So that guy, that was so cool. <laughs> But that's the first time I ever played stick in a band setting, though. Mm. 
Um, so uh, if you watch the video, you can see the guy on sax telling me to. I had some technical difficulties that day, and uh, I had these stereo out cables, like uh, quarter-inch cables going into my amp. But every time I used them at home, they weren't quite 100% in, so they were working fine. I don't know if you know what I mean. Like, they weren't seated right. Mm. Uh, when I seated them right, they stopped working, so I couldn't get any <laughs> sound on the gig. So I ended up using another amp, and it uh. worked. But the amp was too loud. So it was just, you know, stressful. something stressful. So, Do, yeah. When the sax player's telling you to turn it down, I mean, geez. <laughs> well, I kind of thought it was loud, but I didn't know in balance relation, like, you know, because when I mean, you're on stage, everything's louder anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it turned out great. Uh, it went smooth. I expected to have a big train wreck and then nothing happened. So it was a great video. It was a great video. So if you go out to Rob Gellner's page and you search for fragile on that, maybe on the Facebook page or something like that, um, it, it's a really great video and, and the bass is such a nice compliment to it. They work so well together. Yeah. Then I actually had a Steve speaking of bands. I had somebody said, I want to start a band with you. And I said, okay. And he goes, I want you to play stick. I'm going to get a guy to play accordion and a vibe the drummer plays vibes and the bass player will play bass so so i said i'll play with the accordion that'd be cool so anyway we'll see if that happens but with the covid thing everything's been put on hold so yeah, yeah. anyway it's a it's a new musical experience uh for those in the in the industry that are playing professionally um i was thinking about what life will look like in April or even in May of next year, as these larger countries are able to make the vaccines available. And, you know, what will it look like returning back to some level of normalcy and how exciting that will be. If we can live through the winter here in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a quick break. So, Rob, here's a question for you, and I suppose we can kind of close with this. Um, you, you know, I'm a big fan of what you do, and I love to see all the progress you have on on the Bach work that you do and do it so well. I, at some point, we have to get together and talk about the second invention. I'm still looking forward to doing that. But I suppose, and I want to put this to, to Rod and to, to Claire as well, you know, like questions you may have, or, or the question that I have is, is stepping outside your, your comfort zone because you went from an all aluminum 10 string instrument to this teeny weeny SG12. So it has two more strings and, and it's smaller. And now you're going back to a larger instrument, an even larger instrument, which is a, a 12 string grand. Uh, so regardless of the wood, there's a, there's a definite kind of difference in the playability. Maybe you could explain that and just maybe guidance you have for people that are, you know, thinking about a new instrument or selling an old instrument. So I guess the first thing that these instruments aren't cheap, <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, they're really not that expensive either because a good trumpet can run $10,000. Uh, um, a good bassoon could be $60,000. A good violin is like so... 
Uh, and a good, from what I understand, like an Ernie Ball custom base, you might be running five or three three thousand dollars with a year year and a half wait or something like that. I'm not I'm not sure, but I've had friends that or, have ordered them. So the, the the beauty of the sticks is that they do hold their value really well. So that was the reason why I jumped into the deep end was because I knew from looking on the forum that when a stick pops up, it's gone within a week. And that the people were asking almost full retail and getting it. So that, like you said, maybe you might lose 10% on it. Um, in my case, because I'm Canadian, the, the Canadian dollar sucks. So we have to pay 35% more for the mm. same thing. So my 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 grand probably going to cost about 4000 Plus, I have to pay duty and taxes on top of that, which was another 500 So <sighs> I'm looking at $4,500 for that stick, right? But if you play it, it's worth ten times that. Mm -hmm. If you, if you know, like it, it's it, there's no value. It's 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 priceless. If you know what I mean, it's just um, for me to play it, it for two hours a day is having it. I, it's well worth the money. If I had the debt for it, it was like that's worth the debt, right? So the value. So in terms of like the value trade, it, there's there's. There, there's that first initial step of like, geez, it's three thousand, it's four thousand, it's going to be like forty five hundred dollars at the end of the day. You can expect to get some of that back, and then have it for a few months and try it. And if it doesn't work, you can just sell it and get one that maybe you do like. Yeah, and uh, you need to start somewhere. So I started on the rail board because I didn't know where to start. Um, it was the cheapest, and it got me. It got I got a lot of stuff done on it, and I really liked it. Um, sure. But then I started realizing afterwards that, you know, maybe I want this, maybe I want that, and that's like that with any instrument. If I if I told a student to buy a trumpet, he'd play it for a while, and then eventually you go, you know what I want? I, it's I wanted to do this and not this. So mm -hmm. when you start playing something, your personality develops. You kind of realize what you want, mm -hmm. and then you look for to find what you want. So. I knew that I wanted to do Bach after I started doing the thing, and I realized that I needed the extra strings. I didn't need it, but it made life a lot easier. Um, I also liked the sound of the guy who was playing in that church, so that was kind of another reason why I wanted to go with the SG-12. And again, I never got to try one. If you can go to a, a camp or something and try one there or just call somebody down the street, a, good, a nice story is Kevin C. When I Kevin Kaysan. When I jumped into the deep end, he said, come over to my house and play the stick, right? Oh, this is a Boaz story, right? What a great guy. So I go there and I play the stick. and This is great. And he goes, you're a stick player. Come over any other time. So I came <laughs> back a week later. And a week later, he goes, you know what? I got this graphite stick, which Brett Bottomley now has. He says, you can take it home. Take it home for six months until your other stick comes in. What a guy, right? Right? So anyway, so it was nice. I actually did get to try the stick, but not till after I ordered it. Okay, but I did realize that I liked the wood. But by then, I had already ordered the rail board, and mm -hmm. anyway, it was because Kevin had a really nice wood stick too. That's right. I recall he had a nice twelve-string wood. I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking. Wouldn't it be nice every time somebody decides to buy a stick? There's a guy down the street who says, "Yeah, have mine for for six months and use it." Man, yeah. That's incredible. That's that's out of this world. It was pretty again. Awesome. 
it's, it's the tech community, there are people here that just, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. That's something you don't, these kind of stories you don't listen very often. It's like, no, I mean, I was, I was just flabbergasted because here I am, this strange guy that he's never met and he's giving this instrument to, like, exactly. loaning to. It's like, I mean, I think he knew I wasn't going to do anything with it, but. Nevertheless, I mean, there, <laughs> I feel like that's not maybe not the loaning of the stick, but actually like being able to go meet up with somebody and and try a stick. I think that's not as that's not that rare. It's not like I feel like with sticks, it's not it's not as common an instrument. You can't go to the store and try one out. And you see a lot of posts on stickists of like, oh, I'm thinking of getting this, but I don't know. And and I I've had a like I I've actually had um, stick enterprises contact me going, hey, we got someone in your area. Would you be willing to let them like? Would you be willing to show them this? And I'm like cool um i don't know if i'd be all that comfortable like loaning some a complete stranger a stick of mine i don't know that i would do that to be honest so props to kevin um but but actually trying one out or or well i, I know with covid these days it's a little different but um you know meeting somebody who will tell you everything they can about it i think that's I think that's pretty common, actually. So I think if you if you either get on the the forum or contact Stick Enterprises, you can probably find somebody who's reasonably close and willing to meet you somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, definitely loaning a stick for that long is <laughs> that's over and above. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty right. awesome. I, I got a I got a call uh, last week from or an email from a guy named Doug Blodgett who's here in Murrieta. And so he's like, I've had a stick. I'm, you know, I'm gonna. Am I gonna do a truss rod? Am I gonna do this retrofit? And I was like, Well, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was like, You've been watching too many videos. You know, <laughs> like, how much can you get for that stick? Maybe you want a new one. You know, like you can have all that work done, and and that's you know that's fine if you're fond of that instrument. But maybe like you know, a nice new Chapman stick is maybe something in your future as well. It's like, Oh, I already ordered a railboard. So I was like, oh, okay, like, so, so that's on the way. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the stick community, uh, or stick enterprises is in so long as you're willing to, you know, have people call you up, you know, they, they might share your number. Um, obviously I'm such a fanboy. They're just like, uh, Gene, I'll deal with this guy. You know, like, well, I'll, I'll be clear that they, they didn't share my information. They, they contacted me and gave yeah. me the other person. So just sure. to be clear, they don't, they don't hand out people's information. They'll, they'll check, they'll check with you. Um, and, and you'll do what you're comfortable with. So, and that's what they did with me. And I think that didn't John Tyler, uh, or, or didn't didn't he reach out to you at some point? Yeah, I, I already knew him, but yeah, he wanted to try out the the grand that I had, and I think he did get a grand. So yeah, but yeah. I think, but by then I kind of already knew him. I had you know I had already met him by then. So sure, um, slightly different situation, but yeah, definitely it's it's easy. And he actually works right next to where I work. Going back to the beginning, I mean, I've, I've, I was a bass, I was a bass player for I don't know more than two decades. I never gave my instrument to anyone, <laughs> you know. <laughs> never, you know, you don't loan your instruments. Period. Barely and, let uh, somebody play it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that. So giving, you know, giving a complete stranger um, for six months your one of your sticks, that's like it's something that I, I just. It's unimaginable. Anyways, so uh, uh, just a quick note um, on our special guest today, Rob Gellner. You can check him out. Um, he's got, I believe, a YouTube page uh, as well as he's out there on Facebook. Um, I know that the the best place for me to find out all about Rob was on robgellner.com. So you can find out a little bit more about 
uh, some of his releases, photos, and uh, lessons. So maybe there will be a day sometime soon when he's doing stick lessons as well. And I know I would be on that long line of players that would love to learn how to play Bach just like you, Rob. So a, a tip of hat to you for, for joining us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we hope to have you on again really soon. Thank you, guys. All right. Bye, Rob. Take care. Thanks, Rob. So our time with Rob Gellner was a nice contrast to what we've discussed in earlier sessions, and that is, is uh, having more than one Chapman stick, finding the right Chapman stick is the pickup, right? You know, do you like the inlays? Are you happy with the dots? He gave, I think, and Claire and Rod, I might be glad to hear kind of what you had uh, or, or wanted to share that you kind of took away. The one thing that I took away from Rob that I appreciated was he just said, I went in the deep end, right? Like I was just, he decided like, I'm not, I'm through kind of waffling on it. I'm just going to kind of go for it. So that was kind of my favorite part. Did you guys have a, a favorite part to that? I can't say necessarily a favorite part. It was, it was great to chat with him. Always, always good to catch up. And it was, it was cool to see him get that, that new stick recently. So it's that, I think that's always fun. The new stick day is always so fun. Um, I think it's really cool just to see, you know, specifically Rob, but I think um, anyone's just kind of their evolution of how, yeah, how they dove into this and why, and then how they kind of progressed through it. And I think it's such, in a weird way, it's a really personal journey. And yet we all kind of understand it, you know, not sure if that, if that's really a, a great wording of that, but I, I feel you like had me a journey. you had me a journey. <laughs> personal journey. Yeah. That was Rob's experience. I, I can relate to that. Definitely. I wasn't in on the interview, but I did have some communication with Rob beforehand as we were all kind of synchronizing schedules and things like that. And something that he said in an email that he said to me before was that, you know, the year 2020 has pretty much put the kibosh on all of the potential opportunities we had that we would normally have to get together and geek out with other stick players. And he had mentioned that one of the things he likes about Tap and Time is that since there's usually at least three of us talking, that it kind of brings back that, you know, je ne sais quoi that you get of sitting in a room with people who understand what you're talking about. You know, it's fun to talk with guitar players and cello players and violin players and pianists and stuff. But you know, getting a chance to just you know sit around and talk with stick players, and so he he appreciates Super having awkward. time for that. What's that? <laughs> Super awkward with like fifteen stick players. You know, it's kind of funny you say that. Super awkward with fifteen stick players. We're you know just looking ahead a little bit. Two things that that we wanted to kind of put out there. One of them is that um, this episode that we're talking on right now is for um, hopefully will have been released on December first. But we have something else special planned for the holiday. Uh, we plan to release something a little later in the month, kind of uh, as Christmas starts to get close. Um, and so stay tuned, and hopefully you're going to like it. And another thing that we want to mention is kind of goes along with what I was just describing that Rob had said. And so we're going to try to see if we can't pull together a tap-in-time community Zoom session where we can all get a bunch of people into a Zoom room 
and shoot the breeze. No real uh, agenda, but there may be an agenda that will be discussed uh, and possibly shared with the the stick community. But it's a good one. It's one that comes up consistently, and it's one that we can all help each other on as part of a community. And wouldn't it be great to share that with all your other stick player friends? So. Yeah, thanks for the rescue there, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> we have a we have a tentative date and we have a tentative time, and, and all those will be available uh, in the next kind of special bonus uh, episode coming later in December. So, Gene, we can't be so mysterious. Let's at least give them something. Okay. Can we okay. tell them something? Sure, we'll tell them something. This is what we will share on Saturday, January second. Uh, we will be having the first annual tap in time. New Year's resolution session. And so you are encouraged to bring your resolution to the stick community, share it with the tap and timers and talk about what uh, 2021 holds for you. Um, from where I'm sitting, I don't think it can get much worse, but uh, <laughs> optimistic, optimistic for 2021. So uh, if you are available, please uh, block out the time and join us. All the details will be forthcoming. Let's all geek out on January the 2nd. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode number 11 of Tap in Time and you know, we do like hearing from you, so please take advantage of that email address, tapintimepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks to, to Rob Gellner for, for making time for us, and be on the lookout for Rodrigo Sarau's new album uh, in the next month or so, right, Rob? You got me. All righty. Well, thanks again, and we hope that sometime in the next day or so, you'll get an opportunity to pick up your instrument and play for a while. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. care about your comments but if you want to leave them anyways you can contact us at tapintimepodcast at gmail.com